Everyone having a good time so far? Yes, welcome to Family Day. I'm Kristen Hayes. I'm your children's pastor here at City Church, and we love getting generations together to worship the Lord together in one place, and we do this every few months, so I hope you've enjoyed it so far today. I am so excited to introduce our guest speaker today. This is a family that is near and dear to my heart. Pastor Steve Hogue is someone that I grew up with. He's actually always been like an older brother to me. We know each other pretty well. And um, when I was in high school, he actually became my youth pastor and my husband's youth pastor. That's where I met my husband was in our youth church. And him and his wife, Sandra, they've had a huge impact on our lives. We've learned so much under their leadership and um, just serving and being in ministry. And um, actually, Pastor Steve is the first one who connected us here to City Church. He got very involved in the start of this church and um, bringing groups of young people over to City Church and helping with wherever it needed to be, whether it was um, passing out water bottles, uh, cleaning bathrooms and toilets, whatever needed to be done. We came and we did that, and it was a great experience. He really, in his five years of as youth pastor, he taught young people what it meant to serve and to give back to the community, and it was an honor to be under your, under your leadership. And so for the past 12 years, they've actually been serving as children's pastors in Ormond Beach. And during that time, God has grown their family tremendously. You're going to hear about it in just a few minutes. If you think my family is big with four kids, wait till you hear their story. They have an amazing story and what God has done in their lives. And we are so honored to have Pastor Steve here with us today. So let's give them a warm City Church welcome. Praise the Lord. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Amen. Well, thank you, Kristen. I, I forgot, too, I uh, was remembering, actually, the first wedding I ever performed was their wedding, and they're still married, so praise God for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and can you give your pastor and his wife a big hand? I love them so much. First of all, really quick, my wife Sandra is over here, my Egyptian queen of 16 years. I had her shipped in all the way from Egypt. It wasn't cheap. So I want to thank God for her. All my kids, bring that picture up there. It is right there. Stephen says, Silas, Simon, Salas, Sammy, Sarai, Salome. Got it? We have eight kids that are all adopted, and God has brought them into our family. And uh, we're thankful for that, and we love them, and they're the best. And every time people see us, they don't ask us how we're doing. They ask us, so how many kids do you have now? So that's what I get. So, <laughs> But anyways... Um, this is really full circle for me because uh, many years ago, 14 years ago, when, when Pastor Eugene came all the way across the country to the Orlando area, I met him and really fell in love with him and his, and his wife and family and their vision for outreach. I really desired that. I learned how to do outreach from Pastor Eugene. I really did. And I have to tell you that when I met him, and I, I thought the first time I met you uh, officially or maybe the second time was at that Convoy of Hope event. He was preaching for this Convoy of Hope, massive, huge outreach event, and I was asked to do the kids' ministry, which I had never done before. And so he's over with the adults talking to them. We're in a tent with the kids ministering to them, and that's when I got inspired to do kids' ministry for the first time uh, being with Pastor Eugene. So 12 years later for me, uh, being in kids' ministry for 12 years, uh, it's a full circle feeling. And many of you, some of you here uh, that we've known from the past, when I was a youth pastor at New Covenant Assembly, some of you from New Covenant Assembly, um, and some punks that I met along, like Donald along the way. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I have to say that years ago, God spoke to us to do Sidewalk Sunday School. And so we went to a neighborhood called Castlewood, Castlewood Apartments. 
And um, I went in there and we did some kids ministry. So we had a big trailer and we, again, another place I started learning kids ministry. And the kids would come and I'd always see the teenagers playing basketball and they would stay off at a distance. And there was two in particular, Donald and a guy named Keith. If you guys know Keith, is there a Keith here? Okay, yeah. And anyways, and so I'll never forget this. And I don't know if they know this, but uh, I wanted to reach them because I was a youth pastor, but I was, I was being successful reaching the kids, but I really wanted to reach the teenagers, there's about 13 of them. And so they play basketball, and I'm, I'm terrible at basketball. And I don't know if you know, don't tell Pastor Bob this, but what I would do, I went and bought a basketball, I would leave work during the day, and I would go to a basketball um, court and just shoot for hours. I mean, I would do it all the time, and he'd probably wonder where I was. But I would go and shoot, and then I, I practice and practice and practice and practice. And then I went up to them one day, and I said, hey, guys, um, I didn't really know what to say. I, instead of inviting them to my youth group, I said, I tell you what, I, um, I, you know, can I play basketball with you guys? And maybe we could do a little, a little bet, a little challenge. And they're like, yeah, man. I said, why don't you pick your three best basketball players to play against me? We'll play 21. If I lose, I'll take all y'all to the restaurant of your choice. And there was 13 of them. And they're like, come on, man. And if, and if, and if I win, you're all going to my youth group on Wednesday night. They're like, okay. Well, they won. Okay, so... <laughs> I don't know how, but they won. So I had no money. I had no budget. And I'm thinking, what if they say some, some real, you know, fancy restaurant? I heard one of the kids say Golden Corral. And I went, okay, Golden Corral. My wife calls Golden Corral and gets some kind of incredible deal. And we had 15 of us, 13 kids, and me and my wife. I didn't have any kids. And we load them up in the church van, drove to Golden Corral. And for 90 bucks, we fed everybody. I don't even know where we got the money from. But guess what was so cool about that is that next Wednesday they were all at my youth group anyways. Praise the Lord. Two of those guys are Donald and Keith. And we've just loved to see how they've grown in the Lord and what this church has done in their life, discipling them. And so I thank you for that. That's fruit. And sometimes in ministry you don't see the fruit. It takes a long time to really see what God has, has done and are doing through you. And Donald and Keith and many of these kids... Is the fruit of what you guys have done, and I love to see it. So give the Lord another hand clap of praise. <laughs> and a bunch of you, my old friends, are here, and, and, and ones that um, we, we used to know. So thankful to be here. I really feel the presence of the Lord here, and I appreciate, I said earlier, I appreciate excellence, but I also appreciate the anointing. And sometimes you get excellence without the anointing. And there's both here today. And so we're very thankful for that. I'd like you to turn to Judges chapter 2, verse 10. And I appreciate that the church believes in the next generation. This verse, these two verses here, should shake you to your core. If you guys could, if you could bring it up like you did before. It's very important to see this. It's very sad. The Bible says after that whole generation had died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Did you hear that? One generation died and the new one grew up who did not know of God or what he had done. That's a shame. How many of you know we're one generation away from Christianity going extinct? If you don't do what you're doing today, if you don't pour into the little ones sitting around you, you know, it's risky, it's even messy to allow the kids to come in to big church. Can I hear an amen? A lot of pastors won't do this. A lot of pastors I know in kids' ministry, kids' ministry often is put on the back burner, put them in a room, give them a video and some goldfish, 
and hold tight until big church is out. But the same Holy Spirit in here can be the same Holy Spirit over there. Unless the kids have an encounter with God and His Spirit, they're not going to be changed. They're not going to be uh, do everything God has for them. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for reaching out to the next generation and saying, come follow me. Come live for the Lord. It's so important. If you're a young person here today, we're going to have fun today. But if you're a young person, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Can I hear a big amen? amen? The Bible says that he knew you before you were born. He knit you together in your mother's room. Every day of your life was recorded in his book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had, has passed. How precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God. They outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. And in the morning when I wake up, you are there. He loves you, kids. Can I hear an amen? <clears throat> now, if you turn to Joshua chapter 4, verse 1, you will see that the children of Israel have been in the desert for 40 years. They're about to cross over the Jordan and go into the promised land. They can see it. It's in front of them. But there's one thing keeping them from the promised land. What is it? The Jordan River. Okay, come on, everybody together. The the Jordan River. So what I'd like to do really quick, instead of using adults, I want to use some kids. I need four tall kids. Okay, one. Okay. Uh, actually, boys. I'm sorry, I do need boys. Right over here, yes, sir. Okay, right there, yes, sir. Come on up. And in the back. Come on up. Give me a hand as they come. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. All right. Okay. Do you, all right. Do you know how to break dance? I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. Okay, come here. Come here. Okay, right here, sir. Right here. You go right here. All right. Okay. All right. Have you ever eaten sardines? No. You don't have to do that either. Okay, stand right here. All right, hold this hand up like this. Good job. Give him a hand. Come on, give him a hand. Like that. There you go. Hey. Hey, listen, no guns are allowed here. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Okay. These guys work out, I can tell. All right, there you go. All right, what are they doing besides flexing their muscles? These are the priests holding the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is where God's presence was. They're at the Jordan River. They're holding the Ark. And God says, go to the promised land. But look down, what's in front of them? The, the Jordan River. The Bible says as soon as the priest's foot, so reach your foot out like this, and touch the water. As soon as his foot touched the water, the water stopped up, and they were able to draw, walk through on dry ground. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, this is important because some of you, God is telling you to go and do something, but you have an obstacle in your way. And I had an obstacle in my way because I had a great church with a great pastor, a great ministry, and a great paycheck. Hello? And God told me to leave all that and step out. And I said, Lord, I'm at the Jordan River. I'll step, just part it first so I can go ahead and walk on through. He said, no, step first. So I did, and that's why we're here today. Because we're stepping out into something called orphan care missions and helping kids get homes. So we've stepped out, and someone needs to step out. But when they did step out, it parted. They walked through on dry ground. And it's such a miracle. He instructed the priest to go pick up some stones and set them up. So I want you guys to run on down. Actually, he instructed one from every tribe. Go on down. You guys go down. Pick up a stone from the riverbed, and then I want you to go set it up right over there. So hurry up. Give them a hand as they do it. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Big stone. These guys are strong. Well, he just gathered like 20 of them. Okay, just one. Just pick one up. Come on. Pick one up. Big one. Give me a big one. Big, bigger. Bigger. Look at this guy. Okay. All right. Give him a big hand. Good job. Why did Joshua, why did God instruct Joshua to do this? 
They set up stones. So they set it up on dry ground on the other side in the promised land as a memorial. Have you ever been to a memorial? Yesterday we got to go to the, uh, to the cemetery area and where my mom is. And my, kid, my boys got to go see where, where their Grammy is in her um, gravestone there. And it's a memorial. It's to remember. And so he says, whenever, years from now, your kids go, hey, Dad, what, is, what do these stones mean? You can tell them what God did. So we have got to set up stones as a memorial for what God has done in order to pass down to the next generation. Can I hear an amen? How many of you ever struggle with relating to younger kids? Be honest. How many of you younger kids ever struggle relating to the old people? Let's get real. Because they don't look like us. Their hair is different. Their music's different. Kids, I used to think I was cool back in the 80s. I thought I was really cool. Now as I get older, I'm not cool at all. But when I was young, I remember looking up to older people and thinking, you know, they always complain about my music. I can't understand the lyrics and all this stuff. Now we really can't understand the lyrics. But, hey, it, this is what I don't get. I look now, I, I'm, I'm about, I'll be 40 in a couple months. So I look at younger kids now, and I have a question I don't understand. The chubby kids wore the skinny jeans, and the skinny kids wore the huge jeans that are falling off. Can someone explain that to me? And you're so skinny, and you got these huge jeans and you have to do the duck walk in order to keep them up with one hand with one hand keith used to do this all the time and uh, and, uh <laughs> sorry about that buddy anyways i look at them now and go these kids are nuts what is up but it's up to us to break down that wall and tell them about the lord to set up stones to remember what god has done for us pass that down to the next generation can i hear an amen Secondly, you've got to do is you've got to speak to them. Speak verbally. Your words are life and death. We often speak negative over our children. Listen, if you tell them they're worthless and they're nothing and they'll amount to nothing, that is a prophecy that will come to pass. If you tell them they will love the Lord, they will live for the Lord, your young daughter will not get pregnant before she's married, you will not be addicted to any substance. You will not have anger problems. You will know who you are in Christ Jesus. Speak over your children. My dad did that for me. Morning after morning after morning after morning after morning, I would wake up at 5 in the morning with his hand on my chest praying for me. And I am the man I am today because of my dad. We have to speak. Thirdly, we have to impart blessing on them. You see, the blessing back in biblical times was so important. Remember when Jacob stole the blessing from Esau, and it was too late. His dad had already spoken over him. He got the blessing. It was on his life. You've got to bless the next generation. Now, I want to show you a picture of a man that, that uh, left a legacy for me. See, the word legacy is, means what, what you leave behind. It's all it is. It's what you leave behind for the next generation. This guy up here is my grandfather, Willard Duncan. It's my mom's dad. And this is probably in the... I don't know, late 40s or 50, early 50s. He had gotten out of the war, I mean, out of the uh, armed forces, out of the Navy. He was in the world, World War II, and <clears throat> he loved children. See, he had a threefold plan. Is he wanted to have a lot of children, a lot of land, and he loved children's ministry. And back in those days, there wasn't really any innovative children's ministry. The next slide here is him teaching in a Sunday school class. He loved to teach children. He actually, his favorite place to go was down on the beach in Daytona. He would go down there and he ended up having seven kids. He had five acres there in Ormond Beach 
And he did children's ministry all the time. He would take plywood and he would cut out Bible characters and put a point on the end. And he would paint these uh, pieces of plywood. Then he would take them down to the beach by the bandshell, stick them in the sand, and have his own children draw other kids to come up. And teach them Bible stories right there on the beach. Isn't that incredible? And another thing he did is called the Chapel on Wheels. Let's bring that up. This is his entire family right here. That's him on the left. My Aunt Mary, my mom, Martha, my, the twins, Tim and Tom. There's Uncle Jim, Aunt Julie, and Uncle Paul, and then my grandmother right there. The Chapel on Wheels was a trailer that he gutted out, and he put pews in it, built a steeple for the top, right around through the streets of Daytona Beach and Ormond Beach, leading kids to Christ. Now, CEF, Child Evangelism Fellowship, which is an incredible ministry that reaches kids. Good News Clubs, if you've ever heard of Good News Clubs, that's CEF. Well, the guy that kind of runs our regional area of CEF in Florida was led to the Lord on the chapel on wheels by my grandfather. And he's still serving God today as an adult. And all of this is to be said is that what are you leaving behind? Well, Willard Duncan left something behind for me. See, every time I was with him, he didn't look like me. He didn't dress like me. He didn't like my music. But he never, ever missed an opportunity to lay his hands on my head and pray for me. All of his grandkids. He would pray for us. He would get us together. Every time we were together, he would say, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's sing a song. Let's pray. He had an accordion. An accordion. An accordion. Okay? That's not a cool instrument. Okay? But he played the accordion for 40 years. And I have to tell you, Pastor Eugene, right before he died, we went and visited him. And he had his accordion. I was looking at it. And he says, uh, Stephen, if you learn how to play a song on that, I'll, I'll give it to you. He couldn't carry it anymore. He'd gotten so old that he couldn't hold it. So he couldn't play it anymore. I took it home. I practiced and practiced and practiced. Went back a couple weeks later and played Amazing Grace. And my wife sang. And he said, you can have it. He died a couple weeks later. I still have that accordion. I have it. That's a stone. Can I hear an amen? amen. And, and, and you've got to understand something. I get a call from Jim Rayleigh 12 years ago to go to Ormond Beach. The doorstep of, of, of Calvary Christian Center is three and a half miles from his house. Fifty years earlier, they got called him. And I have five acres, eight kids, and do kids' ministry. He had five, or I have three acres. He had five acres, seven kids, and did kids' ministry. But you've got to understand, the day he died, I was walking through my sanctuary at my church, kind of going through like a depression almost. It's just kind of a downtime for the last couple months. And I, all of a sudden, it, it went away, Something, a light bulb went on, and I got an idea. And so I grabbed a tithing envelope, and you began to write this idea down. And I began to, I, I began to come up with like a four-night kids event called Boom, getting kids ready to explode. My friend Jason's here. He remembers doing Boom with us. And, and, and I wrote it down, and I got so excited. And for 20 minutes, I wrote on the front and the back of that tithing envelope a four-night event. First time I ever really started writing anything, doing anything really creative like that. You see, my grandfather wrote plays, poems, skits. Um, he, he, he wrote songs. He was very, very, very creative. I didn't do any of that stuff. I remember telling my wife, I wish I could write songs. But nothing. Until that day, I started writing down, getting inspired, what I call a download. My mom calls me. She says, Steve, your grandpa just died. I said, when? She said, 20 minutes ago. The moment I started writing. And guess what? Just so happened, the day that he died, I was scheduled to sing with our youth ministry at the band shell, Daytona Beach, his favorite place to minister. Something got passed down. 
And then in the 70s, my dad and mom moved to Orlando, and they went to Calvary Assembly in Winter Park. And in the bookstore there in the early 70s, he bought this Bible. And my dad devoured this Bible. I had it bound. An English bookbinder um, had this bound for me and because it was falling apart. There is some stuff in here. He devoured this Bible. And he wrote things in here about me. My son will serve the Lord. He wrote about his wife. He, he wrote so, so many notes and scriptures. He learned how to fight spiritually for his children. And when he gave me this Bible, it was like a stone to remember what God had done in his life. I go back to this Bible often, especially when I'm down. And I look at the notes, and I look what he underlined, and I read what he thought was important. He referenced so many different things in the Bible. This is like a a preaching guide for me. I can find references in here from what he did and what he studied. And this is his precious Bible to me. Something got passed down to me. The question to you today is, what are you doing to reach the next generation? What are you doing to pass down God's goodness to somebody else? See, God has called us to reach the modern-day orphan. That's the child in foster care or needs a forever home. Right in this area, there are, uh, what did she say earlier? I just forgot the numbers. Yeah, but how many, not one million kids. How many kids were adoptable? Did she say 18? Oh, there you are right there, honey. How many? 18 adoptable kids in this area. That means the parents' rights have been terminated. They need a home. They need a forever home. They need a family to take them in. Not an orphanage, a family. Can I hear an amen? Not a group home, a family. That's what they need. They need a family. And God has called us to reach this next generation through foster care and adoption and mentoring. And maybe there's somebody in your life. Maybe, maybe you know of a single mom who has a child, a son, a daughter that needs someone to mentor them and help them. You see, because we believe in reaching the orphans and the widows. They go together. Can I hear an amen? And often a single mom it, it deals with tragedy as like a widow would because that husband is not there to provide. And often they don't get the provision they need. And so we can help with their children too, mentoring them, loving them. My dad did that all the time. We had kids in our house all the time, and he was like a dad to many kids. What can you do to help the next generation? What can you do to pour in to the kids that are in your influence in your life. Willard Duncan passed something down to me. He didn't have stocks. He didn't have bank accounts. He had nothing. Out of all the things he had, my grandmother, after he died, just gave me one thing. She said, here, try these on. These are his shoes. These are my grandfather's shoes. Out of all the things he had, these to me are more valuable than a million dollars because... I knew that God was telling me, you're going to walk in His shoes. Can I hear an amen? And one thing I didn't tell you, Pastor Eugene, is is one thing you always wanted to do is be a missionary. But he was denied denied appointment to be a missionary. He wanted to go to the British Honduras, which is Belize. He was denied because he had too many kids. His denomination wouldn't let him go. My uncle has been a missionary in Belize for 15 years, the exact same place. But we have now, this last week, been officially appointed as U.S. missionaries to orphans. And so it's another thing he wanted to do or couldn't do. I'm doing it through him. Can I hear an amen? I want you guys to look up at the screen, and I'm going to show you just a really brief video 
about what God is doing through us and how you guys can be a part of it. Check this out. alone in our house a lot. We didn't always have a bed to sleep on. One time, my old dad shot me with a paintball gun and then he laughed. We were scared. My brother and I weren't always taken care of. We didn't always have food to eat. One day, a caseworker came and picked us up and brought us to a foster home. We were alone. We were broken. I was neglected. I was left in my crib for a long time. I was in four foster homes before I was one years old. I needed someone to help me. I was broken. I was left in the hospital without parents. I didn't have a name. I needed a family, but I didn't have one. I was abandoned. I was broken. I was in five foster homes. Me and my brother were moved around a lot. We were told that we were going to be adopted by two families, but it didn't happen. I need a family to love me. I was angry. I was disappointed. I was sad a lot. I cried all the time. I was broken. The doctors gave us the diagnosis of infertility. After much treatment and medicine and surgeries and thousands of dollars, we still never had a baby. We quickly found out that through foster care and adoption, that we weren't just meeting our need, but we were helping to rescue the fatherless and the fragmented in our area. There are 100,000 children in America's foster care system waiting for a forever family. We're asking you to open your heart to foster care and adoption. These kids are in your neighborhoods. They go to your schools. They're in the backyards of your churches. They need your help. James 1.27 says that pure and undefiled religion is caring for the widows and the orphans. It's our biblical mandate. It's amazing to me to see how God can take the broken pieces of these kids' lives 
put them together to make something so beautiful, so amazing. Open your heart to what God is doing in the lives of the modern day orphan. We're asking you to open your heart to foster care and adoption. We're asking you to help put the broken pieces back together of these precious kids' lives. Can you come on over here? <laughs> we just saw the heart of God. God loves you. God loves your family. But God also greatly loves. He saves, he saves his best love for the widows and for the orphans, for those who have no one to love. Steve has received a legacy. He's received, I believe, his grandfather's anointing. But you know, like, it was like Elijah to Elisha. Elijah did great miracles, but Elisha did greater miracles. And I believe, Steve, you and Sandra, it's going to be amazing to see how God uses you. They're going to travel all over America, and they're going to raise the awareness. In our community right here in San Francisco, we have 400 children. Is that right, Sandra? We have 400 children that are in adoption, that are not in adoption, but are in foster homes. Just in foster homes. We have over 300 families that live that are basically homeless right here in the Sanford community. And God's placed this church here to be a light in this city, to be a light to show his love. And God's brought Steve and Sandra. And can I, can I just have you bring your family? I want you to meet the children. Can you just bring your kids up? Can you, I want you to see their kids this morning. Can you just stand and give them a great big hand? Just welcome them. Come on. Come on. Sandra, could just have you give a short exhortation to the people? Well, like Pastor said, that there are 400 kids right here in Sanford. There's actually um, over 2,000 in your tri-county area, Seminole, and I believe it's uh, Osceola and Orange County. So there's lots of need out there. And I believe the church, the body of Christ, is the solution. Amen? Amen. We can all do something. We, can all, we all have a little place in our homes. We have places in our hearts where we can accept a child in. It doesn't matter how old you are. We can all do something. If you can't take a child in to foster, you can't adopt. There's a place for you in Guardian Ad Litem, which is a voice in the court system. It's someone who speaks on behalf of 
the modern day orphan. We can all do something. Maybe you could be a wraparound family for someone else who's doing it. Maybe you can help mow their lawn or bring meals for them. There's something that we can all do. If you want more information about doing one of these things we're talking about in our table at the back um, outside, if you'll give us your name and, and phone number, we'll connect you with the agency here in your county because it's different than ours. And we'll have them contact you to answer your questions. It's not signing that you're going to do it. It's just signing to get more information. And uh, we'd love to talk to you in the back table. If you have any questions about anything, we'd love to answer your questions. Uh, thank you so much. Steve, can you come on over? Can you just share with the people just some of the needs you guys have? Tell us. So you're, a, you're missionaries now. You're going to travel. And why don't you just tell us some of the needs that you have? You, you shared a little bit earlier. Sure. Yeah, we're stepping out as full-time U.S. missionaries. So our job is to raise awareness in the local church for the need for orphan care ministry, to help mobilize churches. We work with churches. If the pastor finds someone that could be the leader of your orphans ministry, I believe every church should have an orphans ministry. And we don't understand that term. That's kind of new. If there's children's ministry, if there's youth ministry, if there's men's and women's ministry, there should be an orphan ministry because James 1.27 says pure religion is to care for the orphan and the widow. So you should have this ministry. We'll help you do the ministry. We'll help you get started, how to connect with your agencies. Can you what tell us you about do? the church you came from and what you guys did? Yeah, there? what we did is uh, every year we did two luggage drives. When a child's removed, their stuff's thrown in a trash bag often, and they just feel like trash. So we, we raise, uh, we have people bring luggage. We do diaper drives. We do adoption matching events. Our last adoption matching event, we, we connected a sibling group of four to a youth pastor and his wife. Wow. And a, a matching event is where the kids come. They don't know why they're there. They have a big carnival. And, and prospective families come, and we try to match them, and they play together, and they hook up. It's beautiful. Um, we, we do all kinds of different events. We have an orphan ministry closet that is closed for foster families. So there's a lot of things that we can do, and, and we stepped out to do more. We kept asking each other, how can we do more? only way we could do more was to step out of our church and go for it. And we stepped, and listen, this week we got a phone call from a missionary in Ghana who has a 40-foot MCI-9 tour bus that sleeps 10 and wants us to use it for the next three and a half years while he's in Ghana. Come on, amen. So we're, we're getting it Saturday from Alabama. We're going to go on that tour bus, and we're going to go all over the southeast and anywhere, really. Uh, in the summer, we go all over the country. And how many gallons of gas does that tour bus hold? I, I think 100 or 150. 100, 150 gallons yeah. of gas. So, And they probably get about... Two, three miles a gallon? Uh, this one gets eight, which is pretty good. Okay, right? that's a little better. <laughs> hey, we're we're going to give, but before we do, I want you to close your eyes right now. And Steve's going to give an invitation because there, there is someone here today. Yes. You know, we're talking about natural adoption. We're talking about yeah. placing a child in a home. We're talking about ministering to the single moms in our community, our own local church. Yes. I please everyone. The band's coming, and I want everyone to close your eyes. This is a special moment. God's grace is here. God's grace, but there's someone in this room you don't know that you've been brought into God's family yet. I want to have Steve give us the challenge this morning. The word adoption, really if you break it down, is the word add and the word option. It's the option to add someone, someone who doesn't deserve it, to say, I choose you for my family. And when you adopt a child, you stand before a judge. You prove, you have to prove that you can care for the child. If that judge says yes, his gavel goes down, that child gets your name and your inheritance. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus stood before the judge and he said, I want them to be my children. 
and I can care for them. And the judge says, well, you got to pay a price. See, every adoption costs something. We paid over 40000 between two adoptions. It cost something. Jesus said, well, I'll, I'll pay the price with my life. And the gavel went down, and God said, they now have your name and your inheritance. You see, the spirit of adoption is salvation. If you're here in this room, maybe you were invited, maybe you come here often, maybe you just happen to be here by chance. It's not chance, actually. You're here for a reason, to understand the love of the Father, that he loves you. Kids that came into our home were messed up. They had problems. They had issues. But we didn't care. They had nothing to offer us. We didn't care. Come the same way. You might have a mess in your life. You might have nothing to offer God. You might feel worthless. But he's asking you to be part of his family. He's choosing you today. He's got the option to add you, and he's saying yes to you. I had to say yes eight times. I said yes to my eight kids. I could have said no, but I said yes. He said yes to you. If you're here today, and you've been separated from God, if you're here today, you have not understand, understood the love of the Father. Maybe your own father didn't love you the way he should have. Accept that love today. Allow yourself to be adopted by Jesus today. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if you need the love of the Father, and you need to be adopted into His family, would you lift up one hand with your eyes closed? Wow. And if you've been adopted, or if your hand is up, or if you've already been adopted, I'd like everybody to put our hands on our hearts today. Everybody. I wanted you to pray this prayer with me. You see, because you have to receive the gift of salvation. A gift is is nothing unless you open it. You've got to say yes to Him as well. And choose. Choose this salvation. Choose this for yourself. Pray this prayer. Jesus, I thank You so much for paying the price for me. For choosing me to be Your child. And I accept Your love today. I need Your forgiveness. Cleanse my heart. Set me free from everything that separated me from you. I choose to live for you. And I thank you for choosing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. You said that prayer. You said that prayer. We have some altar workers. You can be seated here just for a moment. We have some family business. We need to take care of. We have some people that will pray with you. You raise your hand. You really meant it. I, I saw some hands go up, and I believe that God was doing a work in your life. 